You're listening to the Hidden Battles Podcast, brought to you by HiddenBattlesFoundation.org and our partners, DCU, Digital Federal Credit Union. You can find them at dcu.org with our hosts, Scott Heider and Chris Hurst. Welcome to the Battlecast. Hey everybody, uh, it's Scott, obviously. I'm here with Chris. Hey guys, how are you? I'm here with Danny. Hello. And I'm here with Karen DiRienzo. Hello. I said it right. Yes, you did. All right, so disclaimer, uh, Karen's from Jersey, so we can pick on her, some, her, her uh, <laughs> accent later. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to have Karen introduce herself. We're going to talk about some things that are uh, right now, I think, in the forefront of um, police work and mental health, because that's obviously huge to hit battles in our podcast. Um, so Karen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, so originally, as you said, I am from New Jersey. Um, I always tell people that at the beginning, because you will hear my accent in about five minutes. Um, so let's see, I did all my education in New Jersey. I got my bachelor's in psychology with a minor in sociology, and then I went on to get my um, master's degree in social work, so I have an MSW. Uh, got licensed and went through the levels of licensure, so now I am a LICSW, which is a licensed independent clinical social work. Because I knew oh, you were going to ask me that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. Like, everything in medical, I don't understand. Yeah. Like, you guys have like 50,000 levels of and yeah. I think sometimes you just make them up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't make this one up. Well, I think sometimes yeah. somebody just like throws a dart at the board yeah. and goes, all right, yeah. that's what you have now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah because it's like doctor, MD. Yeah. No, clinician, L-I-L-W-S, yeah. M-B-T-O-P-R-I. Yeah. No one knows what the letters mean, but they're there. Okay. And uh, it just means, I'm, it just means right. I'm a clinical social worker. So your background, so you've worked in hospitals prior to what you do now. I did, I did. Now. So my, my biggest, um, yeah, my biggest work experience is in working in level one trauma centers. I did that both in New Jersey and here. I've been living in this area for 26 years. Um, so when you're in a level one trauma center, I, I worked in the ER, I worked in the ICUs, uh, various medical specialty areas, you know, you see a lot of the trauma, the medical trauma that comes in, and also the psychological trauma that follows. So um, it's pretty intense when you're in the ICU, um, end of life issues, uh, different ages of different people and working with the families, um, or all the things that come through the ERs, you can imagine someone coming in in cardiac arrest, and then the family following, and Someone didn't make it, and then you've got a lot of um, acute grief and shock, and so just a lot, all, all, all of that. All right, and yeah, um, in that you are, you're now our clinician. Yes. Yay. On your so board. She's the yeah. 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 And her role yeah. really is that yeah. we've talked about it before is she's our go-to when we have questions. So it's usually peer support that's with Danny, mm -hmm. and for like uh, mental health issues, we'll call you up and throw things at you. Yeah. A lot of things, like with Danny's here, because Danny's always our peer support guy, yep. and we like to bring in stuff and we want to talk about different things, like with now, clinicians being in police departments, yeah. and this is not a new concept, it's just a new concept in Massachusetts with yep. police reform, and it kind of seemed that like police reform was like the key way when they were going, well, now we can get this in. Um, just fill people in on your role. What is your role with yeah. your local police yeah. department where you work? So I am working inside um, a police department. I've been there for three years. But the concept of having a clinician inside a police department is not, it, I think a lot of people think it just came out of the police reform and defunding the police, and, and that's actually not true. Um, there's been some places in Massachusetts that for the last 20 years have had clinicians you know, working alongside them. And actually throughout the country, like even over 20 years ago, like out on the West Coast, there's been a lot of programs implemented um, just to look at an alternate way to handle the mental health calls. I mean, that's really what how it all came about is with the increase of mental health calls, you know, increasing over the last decade or so, what could a police department do to do something different and then just to respond and just think outside the box and respond in an alternate way. So where I've been working um, in law enforcement for three years, um, 
I, since I've been there, I've seen many neighboring towns um, just start to also add clinicians. So just last week, I was uh, asked by another town, they wanted to pick my brain about how my role is going, and they want to replicate that in their local PD. So it's really, I'd say in the next year or so, it's going to be hard to find a police department that does not have a clinician. Yeah, because the, the part-time department that Chris works yeah. at, they're hiring how many? Uh, one, possibly two. Wow. Yeah. Well, the need's there. Yeah. It, it, it truly is. And then, and, yeah. you get, and just to set the record straight, you don't go answer calls of service like by no. yourself. Like a no. lot of people are under the impression that that's no. what's going to happen. Like they're just going to wipe police out and no. then send you in to yeah. defuse like a domestic, yeah. which is one of the biggest results of officer in the line of duty deaths. Yes. So, and injuries, yes. right, Danny? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, officers responded to these type of calls. Uh, the most common calls where officers get hurt or yeah. killed in the line of duty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are the calls with these um, yeah. these type of issues, mental issues and stuff. But uh, to touch base on Karen now, Karen, you think about it, Karen's been with the department where I worked mm-hmm. and before defund the police. Yeah. So this was going yes. on before. It, yes. So just to touch base and say, hey, we're ahead of the curve on that. Yeah. You know, And yes. there's some departments that have been right. ahead of that. And so everybody's now kind of scrambling to jump Absolutely. on board because of the defund the police yeah. thing. What I, what I think great is too is the fact that it's like, it's needed, obviously it's needed. Yeah. Like we need, and mental health is huge. And mental health is always pushed aside, right. um, especially with trying times or whatever. But it, like I said, when you when you told me like, hey, we got a clinician working there, I'm like, wow, this is yeah. kind of crazy. It, you know, yeah. it's new, I'm thinking it's a new concept. But then we started thinking, and it's I started really researching. Yeah. It's not at all. I um, think it's getting more press now. Yeah, is, 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 Texas was it Dallas or Austin's had clinicians working there forever? It was Dallas. Yeah, Houston's yeah. big, and um, on the West Coast in, in Oregon, they have actually had a program there. It's called Cahoots. It's a funny name, but it is a clinician paired with. Um, EMS. So yeah. they do a little different approach. They don't have clinician paired with law enforcement. Yeah. Their clinicians are, are, are uh, you know, paired with EMS. Mm-hmm. But the idea was, you know, does a police officer need to be at, or responding to every single, mm-hmm. you know, call that comes in? But um, but no, the you know, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there, yeah, and absolutely. all the social work jokes and all the clinician jokes about you know the clinicians are going to come in and save the day, and the, the officer is going to sit in the car, and that's it's not it, it's yeah. not that at all. Um, yeah, because it being trained, you even have like Paulie's been, he's been shot yeah. on a domestic, right? Yep. So you, you, you sit there and you go, all right, who's been trained? Yeah. And a lot of times, nobody cares who comes through that door. Right. Like you come through right. the door, how do they know where you are? Right. Or whatever, right. you know, because right. Paulie gets shot walking through the door. Yeah. You know, so when people say, oh, no, collision clinicians right. can take the police job. No. no, they're not. No, You're just not. another tool in the toolbox. Exactly. You're just a, like exactly. a great reference yeah. point. And I was well yeah. I was well received because the need was there because there had just been so many mental health mm-hmm. calls coming in. And I think the officers, it comes it takes something off their plate when they know there's someone they could. Anything that's going to make someone's job easier is going to be is going to be well received because you're going to want to push something off to somebody that can handle it. And um, that's in, with law enforcement, Daniel said the same thing. Like before clinicians, everything was a section 12. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. When yeah. when now it's you're not, you're it's not. She, yeah. yeah you're starting to analyze though you're starting to like get a, a feeling from people when they come in because like you were you were saying before that you'll have people come into the office or into the dispatch to talk to somebody right. where instead of now drawing an officer right. off the road right. to sit down and talk to somebody who's right. not trained to talk to right. these people right. where you now are right. you're going oh no this is not this is something different it's yeah. not a section twelve issue this is something right. he needs counseling right. she needs right. counseling but. It's not where we would be like, do you ever want to hurt yourself? Yeah. I was thinking about it. Oh, second 12. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. yeah. That was, for us, that was the best right. thing because. Right. 
that well, we weren't trained for. Probably. I look things at a different angle. It's a different training, different skill set. But we both have different skill sets, but they do complement each other. You know, I've been there for three years, and there's never been any case I've ever gotten or a call I went to that I ever felt in any way that I was replacing police mm -hmm. or a police response. I mean, from day one, I always looked at it as I'm here to assist. I want to work together as a team. I like the team approach, and I just want to utilize my my knowledge, you know, my field of knowledge, my experience, and how I look at it as adding another dimension to a police response yeah. that did not exist before, because you want to have the most successful outcome. Um, and, and that, you know, that's the way to do it. And I know there's, I know some of the more seasoned officers were less accepting of me at first than the younger ones, because I, you know, and I don't blame them. They were doing things for 30 years a certain way, and just why do we need a clinician? But then I think once the program was put into to action where they start referring me cases and they saw an outcome and maybe I got a repeat caller who called every day for a week kind of stopped calling dispatch or 911 because I was giving them something else and they just yeah. wanted time you know well I'll tell you I was a seasoned I was one of those seasoned officers but guess what I it was like 29 years late later yeah. she comes into the picture I'm like where was she 29 years ago oh. you know I was definitely open arms to us you know, concept. That was, yeah, we needed this. You know. And that was helpful because I didn't know, you know, I walked in not knowing really how a police station operated. I worked in hospitals for years, so I didn't really know the operations and how this was going to work. I knew my mental health stuff, but I didn't know how it was going to work. And I'm the only one in the building in my profession. Mm -hmm. It's a little daunting when you walk in and, and everyone's an officer. Everyone's got this, you know, nice tight bond. And, and yeah. I'm a different profession and I'm the only one in my profession in the building. But I, the program, it, it's been successful. Yeah. Um, and it continues to grow, and we've, we're actually taking it to different levels now and pairing me with the mental health Yeah, you officer. think about, I mean, we talk about past experience. I mean, think about, we get that call, the mother calls, my kid's out of control, yeah. need to come down, and, you know, I can't control him anymore, he's out of control, he's smashing things, breaking things. Mm -hmm. We get on there, and it's, what do we do? We typically, it's the typical police response. We get on there, we're going to wrestle with the kid, we're going to lock him up, right. we're going to either, he's going to go to the jail, or we're going right. to section him, and he's going to go to the hospital, right. and he's going to sit in the ER room. Yeah. Either not great, yeah. either not get treated, not great yeah. outcome. Not get yeah. problem. But if we if we have a clinician with us, we go. Of course, we're going to go in there. We're going to try to settle the situation. Right. Yeah. Then with the clinician there, the clinician is going to be able to step once we've secured a scene. Yeah. Maybe sit down and talk with the kid and and find out and the mother and find out what's going on and, yeah. and what can we really do to help out that family. Yeah. Well, even think of it this way: like when you first started, I started obviously a, a couple of years after you. But I remember when we had like the autistic kid. In, yeah, in that's school. huge now. You know, and, and now, like it was first, it was like uh, the first area I ever worked in, they were like, all right, if you see a naked kid running down to the pond, he lived yeah. this street and he's autistic, and they say that autistic kids shed clothes and run through water for some reason. But it's so common now where, yeah. like, oh, you have an autistic kid living over here. You're like, ah, but I'm, because yeah. you know. But now it's seen that, like, with your coming on, we're getting more diagnosis for mental health. Yeah. You know, you get yeah. paranoid schizophrenic, you're getting, yeah. you know, where we're not really. And maybe the training will eventually come. Yeah. But like it, Massachusetts is great as far as your criminal law, con law, use of force, um, and public service stuff like that. But when the mental mental health stuff's coming, it, they're learning. They're starting to get there, and they're starting to evolve to the program. Yeah. But I think it's a huge step with you because now yeah. you can say, "Oh, listen, I read this report. Right. And it says in this report this, that, and the other, and I did a follow up. Right. Because you do follow up. I do. Yeah. I was going to tell you, my job is really. Three pronged. I feel like when I'm going on a call, if I'm dispatched with an officer, and I don't go alone. I mean, that is part of the protocol. I do not go on on any scene alone. I don't go to domestics and any other mental health scene. I'm going with an officer, and sometimes maybe more than one officer, depending on what the call is. Um, you know. Yeah, kind of, Karen, kind of walk us through like a typical yeah. how yeah. you would handle a situation. Yeah. Just give an example of. Um, yeah. 
a situation that where you would actually be involved with a call. Yeah. Can you remember one? Yeah. Just, we, I could, just yesterday, I mean, I get, I get called out, you know, if I'm at the station and a mental health related behavioral health call comes in, um, depending on how it sounds, if it's anything with volatile, I'm not going. You know, there, there's definitely, um, I'm not doing that. But um, just yesterday a call came in, an elderly woman called and said that her 50-year-old daughter was hurting herself and, and she felt that she needed to go to the hospital and could we come. So when I went down, um, you know, when, when you get there, it's like I can do a rapid psych assessment that would have been done at the ER. Mm -hmm. But because I'm there with an officer, you know, I could, I'm right there. So I could see what level of care does this individual need. Do they need a Section 12 or maybe not? Do they just need something, yeah. you know, do they need to be reconnected to their psychiatrist the next day or, or, or something like that? So I look at it as that. And so this situation yesterday, it was actually really good because I was able to see, um, make my assessment of her and was actually the same, you know, assessment that the officers made. We were able to discuss it. We stepped aside for a minute. We all agreed that this woman did not need a Section 12. She did not need an emergency visit to the hospital, but she did have some mental health issues. She was not hurting herself, but she needed help. And the plan we left off with her was I was going to call her first thing the next morning. So I did. So now the conversation continues. If I hadn't been there, that would have been the end of that call. So now this is someone I'm going to check in on every day, you know, make sure she's taking her meds. Is she seeing her psychiatrist? What other services does she need? So that was, I was going to say, the second part of my job is the follow-up and the linkage to, you know, an officer does not have the time to find the right resources, you know, and I'm yeah. at the point now being there three years, my resource base just keeps growing and growing. There is a resource for everything, mm -hmm. you know, and if it's not, I'll find it. You know, if it's a veteran in need, I'm calling the VA, or I'm, I'm doing like veteran yeah. outreach. If whatever the issue is, if it's an adolescent, I'm looking for some type of adolescent program or some type of therapy for them. So, um, you know, I have the time to do that because that's my role is yeah. to just link. And the case management is huge because if you've got a kid at home that's really like the like the case Danny mentioned, someone with autism or just you know a child, I can be on the phone the next day with the school social worker. Yeah. And then we discuss, you know, what's going on, and we form a collaboration about it. And then I could be on the phone with the other providers, and we're just all talking about the same, you know, individual no. maximizing the services. Now I have a question. So when it comes to HIPAA, now like you, yeah. you document your report, you write like a police report. For us, yeah. we document everything we've done. Right. Then we do ads yeah. and additions or whatever. Right. Right? So with you, right. say you say, you know, myself or Danny, hypothetically, or Chris, we write a report, right. we forward it off to you. Yep. Now, do you add to that report? No, actually, that was one of my first questions when okay. I started. Where is my documentation yeah. going? Because this right. was a new new field for me. I didn't know where. Um, I don't write on police reports. I read the police reports. They're forwarded to me. Um, but I keep my own notes separate. Okay. And I share with the officers what needs to be shared. So okay. if there's, obviously, if it's an officer safety issue, if I've got, you know, someone I know is bipolar, I'm not taking their meds, and it could be completely volatile, and that's a frequent call, I, I certainly will let the officers know that. Um, heads now, up, you know. Now, are you, are you, uh, can you do like a roll call alert? I do alerts. Okay, yeah, right. yeah. We don't call it. Yes, yeah. we do. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. so, so that's why I do that a lot. To that yeah. point, um, Karen was great with that. Um, we would get emails from Karen. Mm -hmm. Specifically, she would see a name come up on a log, and she'd recognize it and see, oh, we've been, these guys have been there before. I've dealt with that person. She really would respond back either with an email or that would go out to roll yeah. call, and she would make sure we were connected. Yeah. So, which was fantastic. Yeah, because that, it's the background information yeah. that you've got a different, maybe a frequent yeah. caller, but you've got a different officer every time going out to that home because yeah. different shift, you know, mm -hmm. different group of officers. But if I've got the core background information, I could be dispatched at any of those calls and I would be the familiar face going yeah. in because I, I, you know, I'm just working for the one town and I'm going to build yeah. a rapport with the people in the town. And, and now with the system that we can tag alerts to those calls. If yeah. we get an address oh, that pops cool. up, okay. that alert will come yeah. up and say, you know, hey, yeah. 
caution, yeah. you know, yeah. and you know, little notes in that. I'm say, glad you guys use IMC the correct way because where I work, the design. Yeah, that's well, yeah. that was fantastic. Yeah. You know, knowledge is phenomenal. I mean, because you've got a guy that's never been to a house before, he's going there for the first time, never dealt with that individual. Right. Yeah. What's his first time? Well, guess what? He's learning the whole process, but if he's got a little bit of knowledge before right. he walks in the door, right. but, okay, we've learn. been there yeah. before. Yeah. This is what usually yeah. the outcome is, and 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 it's we. We were pretty good at roll call, making sure yeah. we, everybody knew. What I'm pretty was good going at on. communicating to them, you know, through like Dana yeah. said, through email or just through an alerts, because yeah. I just think it just keeps the continuity going. I actually had the IT guys building the system. I have my little mental health activity section in our mm -hmm. computer system that's separate from IMC that I just write down the people that mm -hmm. I'm dealing okay. with and just the heads up mm -hmm. um, that if you go to this home, check my list to see if if you know I'm, I'm working with this person. And that's great. It works both ways too. The officers will call me, text me, email me the next day and say, Hey, Karen, we were at this home tonight we know you're working with the family and and now i could follow up on that new incident yep. you know that happened so. yeah that was another step too educating your officers to make sure when when they need to notify karen yeah situa certain yeah. situations you know so you know if we go to a certain call you sit there and go hey by the way we need to call karen on this one yeah. let her know yeah. be advised you know that you know we dealt with the situation tonight this kid's out yeah. of control yeah. we think he maybe needs a little bit of help the parents maybe need a little bit of help, yeah. you know, and Karen's right there, and yeah. she's uh, amazing. It's yeah. like, yeah. like I said, a dollar short, you know? Yeah. yeah. Way too yeah. late in my career, yeah. but. Well, it's good to, because you have really, now the department you work at is fairly young department. Yes. Like, so had a this lot is actually around. great. Yeah. Yeah, to the point that, yeah, Dan, you're a thoughtful guy, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But like, you know, and we talk about all the time, we always say that like, public safety is a product, yeah. right? And the, and the more you put into this product, the better service you give the community. And I think by yeah. bringing in you as yeah. a clinician, it's going to help them out a lot. Because like I said, the, the department I worked at was a very good department. Yeah. Um, but we didn't have mental health. And, right. and we literally, we got maybe an hour training a year on mental yeah. health. And it was like yeah. how to deal with what, four hours and in service. Well, how that's changed a lot too. I mean, now yeah. the, the officers are getting mm -hmm. a tremendous amount of, of, of mental health training. There's crisis intervention mm -hmm. training. There's mental health first aid. So mm -hmm. there's a push for that. That's definitely, you know. And yeah, we talked about it before, but mental health is really the catalyst to so many other problems. Yes. Like domestic violence, substance abuse, um, even yeah. as far as like when it comes to substance abuse, now we break off into that little tree yeah. branch of, yeah. now you have theft, you have, you know, sex crimes and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. So, yeah, I mean, it all stems that way. And where you're trained to see it and say, we deal with like a local hotel where we're getting a girl who's in there doing Craigslist stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're dealing with all the We've time. Had that before, yeah. Where we're like, oh, she's just, you know, yeah. lack of better word, I'm using funny ears, crazy. Where you're right. like, no, 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 she's got this right. and this and this. Right. And I'm like, yeah. how the hell would we yeah. even know that without right. you? Right. you know? Well, it's not even the calls I'm going on. I'm getting referrals from like the, our domestic violence detective. She might be working on a case and she's like a week or two in and she's like, oh, there's something really yeah. more going on with this woman that I think you need to talk to. So my referrals come from the fire department because if they're doing some repeat transports, they pick up on something, you know, Board of Health, if there's a hoarding issue, you know, Council on Aging. I'm getting referrals now, not just from the officers. It's kind of exploded to, you know, all the different town agencies will, and vice versa, like I'll refer to them. You yeah. know, any call I come on, if there's like an elder that just needs some services, then I can work with the Council on Aging. So it's like, you know, the epicenter is 911, and that's where yeah. everything comes in, and then it just goes from there where, you know. Um, yeah, but there is the misconception yeah. that, you know, the, the mental health people are taken over, and, and, and it's not so. I don't, don't go on calls alone. I'd be the first one to tell you that, you know, a bipolar in a manic phase not taking meds or someone in an acute psychotic episode is dangerous, you yeah. know, volatile and dangerous, and I 
have no intention on going into that alone, especially in the field. You know, it's yeah. different seeing that in a hospital than seeing that in someone's home. Yeah. And I'm certainly not going into the domestic with the 200-pound naked guy intoxicated, you know, with a potential weapon in the home. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. So um, I'd be the first one to tell you that I'm not going to... See, that's the difference between you and us, because we get that one like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, is the grease involved? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, yep. in your career... Your police career, you're going to encounter that one naked, greased-up guy. Yeah, that's why I had to say that. Am I wrong? Because there's always a big naked yeah, guy. Yeah, we have a, we have an, we have an officer that actually tobogganed down a hill on top of a naked guy one night. Oh, you know, so that was that yeah, we talked about that one time. I fought a I fought a greasy naked guy one night yeah. right there. So yeah. and it was on the clock, guys. So, right. yeah. But no, I don't go into domestics, but it's been seamless. I can sometimes follow up within five minutes after. I've literally had situations of mother-son domestic or father-son, and the officers calm them down, and the mother's still crying, and someone's, do you need someone to talk to? And then I'm on the phone with the mother as the officer's literally leaving the driveway. So it's been that seamless, yeah. or they've come to the station right after. So I'm not on scene for that, but I, my follow-up is immediate. I'm on call for the department 24-7. I've come in on weekends. I've come in, you know, early, late. I've, I've come in in the evenings um, because I'm too, there. Yeah. And, and so if I can, I can't, but I, I try to because, you know, if they're calling me, there's a need. Hmm. Well, think of it, too, is in, especially in the, the, I guess, the theater we're in now where police are the bad guy no matter what. You yeah. come in, and now they're actually more likely to listen to you because you're not police. Yeah. You know, you come in as a clinician. For some, that's the, like, the oh, non-uniform okay. factor yeah, is exactly. big for some people. Yeah. Um, I noticed that yesterday the woman we were with just, just was a little afraid, you know, and she stepped back. Um, yeah. But my role's actually expanded now because of COVID and, and the, the shortage of therapy appointments available to people. It used to be I could refer people to someone and two, three-week wait, maybe they can get in to see an agency or they can get in to see a, a clinician somewhere, but now they can't. There's like, there's like it's unbelievable what's happening now um, with the explosion of mental health since COVID that there's literally right. a six-month waiting list to see a psychiatrist. What's COVID? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> well, I'm still dealing with the ripple effect. So now my role, even in, I'm doing short-term counseling because I'm having people mm -hmm. that are calling me and saying, yeah. Karen, you referred me to this place. They can't see me for six months. What do I do in the meantime? And then I don't want to leave them, you know, just hanging. Yeah, so they're coming into me with me on a weekly basis no. or a couple of times well, a month. Well, you think about it, as a career officer, I mean, think about it. The mental health facility-wise, I mean, the state cut back on a budget years ago, and, yeah. and we don't have the yeah. facilities that we used to have. Yeah. 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 yeah, so there's, there's really no place out there. So now yeah. with COVID steps in, and now it's yeah. just trifold. It's, it's, yeah. There's nothing out there. Yeah. The state, the state definitely needs yeah. to step no, up. No, it's definitely and, a crisis because you've got parents who want their kids need services and they're yeah. just they're, they're on a wait list for six months and what are they going to do in the meantime? There's but, not many yeah, options. I think it's amazing that you actually fill the role until they can find somebody. And that's that's something I yeah. wanted to do myself. I told I tell people I will be your bridge until you get to something because I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm just not going to do and that. You, you never want to do private practice because you it's not my focus thing. more on yeah. the individual I, and not deal with the back end well, crap. Well, I have always been drawn to crisis work and I think that's what brought me into a hospital because I liked the ER you didn't know what was coming in it was anything from any given day you're working on a child abuse case a domestic violence and I just like being on the front line I worked a lot with the homeless and private practice just for me personally I mean it's great I mean there's there's talented clinicians in private practice and they're doing wonderful things but it's just for me that's not um that's not my it's always hard to find a spot in a good interview to drop a moment for our sponsors. And at this time, I'd like to do that. I'd like to thank Rhodes Remodeling, uh, William Rhodes. Uh, they're out in Nashua. You can reach them at 603-438-5302. Putting your heart into your home is their motto. you got expert construction, quality, craftsmanship. So check out Rhodes. Call Billy, 
603-438-5302. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by Jean.CreditUnion. Jean.CreditUnion has been helping members in the community for over 100 years. A credit union's mission is people helping people. And at Jean.CreditUnion, they support that mission by educating and guiding their members to make smart financial choices. Call them at 978-452-5001 or visit online at jdcu.com. That's jdcu.com to learn more about how Jean.CreditUnion can help you. Well, right, let's jump so, right back Cameron, in there because um, this so is a great since portion. Being a clinician and I know it wasn't a good time, however, there really is no good been time there, to come back. Do you think, so, um, let's get back I mean, out. you know what the numbers were before and how uh, things went when the officers went to a, a call which involved, uh, you know, mental issues yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Most of the times, the, you know, most of the, they're either going to jail or they're going to end up at the hospital. They're yeah. either going to be, you know, voluntarily or involuntarily right. sent right. over to the hospital. Um, do you right. think since you've been there that you've been able to assist with other resources other than yeah. having to force them to go to the hospital yeah. or go to jail? I do think I do think the officers are just, you know, they really know when to get somebody to a hospital. And if somebody doesn't want to go, they know when to invoke that involuntary commitment if it's, if it's clear, if it's, it's someone's really at risk of hurting themselves, if they just hurt themselves um, or if they're threatening to hurt themselves again. But there's that area of gray. I call it like the, the, the area of gray on the, on the Section 12, our involuntary commitment where someone's not really, you know, do they really need to go to the hospital, but you're thinking about it, they're really not in a great place. So I think it actually, I think our Section 12s have come down a little bit. I'm not really tracking the numbers, but because now an officer can say, you know, well, we have a clinician that you can talk to like in an hour. So we're not going to involuntarily send you to a hospital, um, but now there's another option. So before me, there wasn't another option. You know, there, there really wasn't. So well, I think that that... Yeah, as we're, well, we're taught as police officers, it's two-pronged. There's right. harm to self, harm right. to other, right? Yeah. When you what There's this... that third prong, though, that's on the form that's... that's that's um, is somebody, it's very vague, you know, and everyone interprets it a little differently. Clinicians interpret it differently. I've had people section somebody, another clinician might not have, because okay. it's like, is somebody really taking care of themselves? Are they living, you know, is there self neglect? Yeah, so I, I think that if you have a clinician, that area, uh, those sections that are not clear, there's another, there's another alternative. There's another avenue that you can go. Now, it's not, it's not necessarily like you're, talking out of school, but when you get a report and you look at right. it, and then you can discuss it with the officer after and say, hey, yeah. listen, this might not have warranted a 12. Right. However, right. if you look at it this way, it could have. Right. And you educate There's always that, more, right? Yeah. All right, so that's good, because usually yeah. with us, it's like, and Danny's not, I've done it too, you're like, do you think about harming yourself? They're like, right. no. You think about <clears throat> harming others? No. Right. Have you in the past? Right. And they're like, no, and you almost like, you know, and we know, but we're not trained, or we're not professional like you were. I've never been to school about learning about mental health where, you know, I know something's wrong. I can't put my finger on it. I can't diagnose them. But I'm like, in the past, have you ever tried to hurt yourself? Just so we can get them someplace yeah. that we know they're going to be safe. And post yeah. going, hey, Saj, yeah. they never said they were going to hurt themselves or others. So right. we're out of here. Well, you can certainly work you know? any angle you want. But I, I oh. do get calls just sometimes a, a officer or a sergeant's even on scene and just wants to collaborate with me just to like talk it out, which I think it's great. You shouldn't have to make that decision alone. Yeah. If you're thinking about, is this person a section, should I not? I got a phone call a few weeks ago, a woman was hearing voices and seeing things that weren't there, mm -hmm. but she wasn't a danger to herself. She wasn't a danger to others. She just clearly had you know, some type of psychotic um, episode. But I said to the officer, try to convince her to go to the hospital, but if she doesn't, we can't force her. Mm -hmm. But now if she walks into the middle of the street because she's hearing voices, then that changes it. Yeah, you know, you have to look at all the moving parts. Is she gonna walk 
on the street and potentially put herself at risk by getting hit by a vehicle, then then I would say you've got more you know ammunition yep. for for a, for a section. So um, so we just you know we bounce it off each other, and then I think the officer feels a little you know more comfortable with the final decision knowing you just talked about it with someone. So so I think that that's worked well. Oh. We've done that a lot. Good. And now, yeah. you mentioned you worked in a hospital yeah. before. Ten and, years. <laughs> and I'm sure, and now obviously you're in a police department. Yeah. Um, are there a lot of similarities and differences between the two? And yeah. what drew you to a police department? That's a great question. Very different cultures. Very different cultures. But I think what drew me to the medical, you know, working in a hospital is I liked the medical environment. I liked the crisis work. But I always saw myself as a second responder because people are coming in. They're brought in by EMS or brought in by police. They're coming in from the first responder and then I'm taking over. So I've already got a report. I've already got something. I didn't see the person out in the field in their environment and you know, whatever the incident happened. So I saw myself as a second responder. And when I left the medical environment, I wanted something different, but I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted. I just knew I wanted something with crisis work, something with community involvement, engaging the community. And I couldn't really place it what I wanted, but um, when I saw that um, my local PD, you know, got a grant and was looking for a clinician, it was like a bell went off in my head, like this is exactly what I'm looking for and what I want to do because now I can be on the other side of it and work along with the first responders and get to those people before they get to the hospital. And maybe they don't need a hospital, you know, so I feel like I can see them, the people that used to come into the ER, I feel like now I'm seeing them five steps back before they got to the ER and, and what could have done differently? Did they need to go to the ER? What could have done differently? Now, so, work, working in the police department, yeah. um, do you think your time working at a hospital helps tremendously? Like, Absolutely, and I, I think it actually helped me get the job. Uh, you know, I mean, there were other people that, you know, you know, went for the role when it, when it was created. It's a, it was a brand new role for the department. It was going to start from the ground up. And I was able to say, because of my 10 years working in a acute medical environment and at level one trauma centers, I said, I saw the same things that officers see. I just saw them at a different angle. I saw the domestic violence. I saw the, the elders living in squalor. You know, you see the child abuse cases and you see a lot of domestics, you know, and you're seeing that. I felt like we saw a lot of the same stuff just saw it from a different angle so I think that really helped me because I saw the you know from throughout the lifespan issues with children to the elderly so that I feel like it helped me tremendously and seeing people in a psychiatric state you know coming in in four-point restraints in the ER that now they need some Haldol or they need something to calm them down and now it's not shocking to me to see that out in someone's home because I've seen it and I'm glad I saw it first in a contained environment and I tell other PDs before you hire a clinician find someone who's got some experience because if you bring in someone straight out of you know you know social work school or a brand new mental health person I think you do need some of that experience of seeing um, someone in a psychiatric crisis in a contained environment before you see it there I, I feel like it I feel like yes and I feel like it um, prepared me tremendously I feel it's a well, asset. Think, yeah, think about it too is like you have new police officers right and you're saying somebody who hasn't had experience would make them new yeah. but new police officers you see new police officers freeze so now you have a new clinician. So now she freezes, he freezes. Now you're dealing with two ins. Yeah. You're dealing with somebody who's not now a hinder. Yeah. You know what I mean? And not saying I'm not saying that about clinicians because yeah. I, I, we've had police officers do it. Yeah. Where you're like, what the hell no, are you doing? The first you know? time you see someone hearing voices, hallucinating, saying, like, you know, do you see that in front of me? It's it's shocking when you first see that. But if you've seen it routinely over the years, and then you go on a call with an office and you see it, it's not going to be as shocking. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um. So. With Danny being peer support and you working hand in hand with police officers right. and you get these reports that come across your desk, 
is it it's, it's not out of school for you to say hey you know what go to the peer support guys and say you know what? you might want to reach out to this guy because this is really bad where we're we're in the, the ballpark of going I've seen that before that doesn't really affect me too much where you might go oh from a clinician standpoint there might be something more to yeah. this that's going to affect him Do you, I mean is that something the clinician in your opinion should be doing um, or think potentially could be working with a peer support or being an element of peer support? Well, I, I think my role's unique in that I'm working on the, the actual cases. I'm doing follow-up. So I have to collaborate with that officer who's sending me that case because I'm gathering the information of what I need to do the mental health follow-up. And so if there was an overdose or if there was a really bad you know, suicide, if there was a, a situation where I'm following up with the family, I'm also looking, well, what officer was on the scene first and, and who wrote this report? And then I'm checking in with that officer to discuss the case of me going forward working on it, but I'm also kind of informally, you know, it just happens naturally. It's just an organic, you know, conversation. You know, that must have been hard seeing, you know, that overdose. He was only like 30 years old. And then you got to get the officer talking. So I'm not formally part of peer support in the department, but I think sometimes it just, it just I mean, Danny could speak okay. to it. It just evolves. I mean, you just start talking to somebody about a bad case, and then you don't realize, you know, this is kind of peer support um. yeah unfortunately peer support um, we tend to find out about things accidentally yeah I should say yeah. we hear about it yeah. you know it's not brought to our attention right. we usually find out about it by discovering things or reading uh, the log yeah. or hearing people talking about a call they went on because um, we're not there at every call and we don't see every call um, and um, and you would think the OIC the person in charge of the supervisor on that on that shift that day, he's the one who's supposed to be responsible for seeing a situation right. and bringing, you know, bringing it forward. If he thinks the situation it should be looked at as from a peer support officer view. And there's debriefing, um, right? Yeah, debriefing, like debriefing, a, you know, a certain call, a traumatic call, yeah. uh, you know, a child death or something, yeah. um, and debriefing everybody afterwards and stuff. But as your role as a clinician and you're, you're in these, you're seeing these situations, you're also seeing the officer that's involved. Right. You're another set of eyes for us. Right. So, which is great because uh, you can also say, hey, you know, this officer was just involved with a Tough traumatic yeah. incident with an infant. Um, I, you know, I think it was traumatic. Maybe yeah. you want to at least, you know, talk to him about it yeah. and stuff. Or if you've yeah. seen something, yeah. this is how peer support works. Other people bring yeah. things forward. Yeah, and this is usually how it works. Because yeah. a lot of times people don't come for the help until right. it's too late right. and stuff. So mm -hmm. by having you there, actually, it's, it's a great connection yeah. for yeah. us also. Yeah. I think that I think that's good because where we go once again, we're saying, let's be ahead of the curve right. instead of behind the curve. Right. You know, um, right. so all right, that's good. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about as far as your your draw to police work, as far as your background? Does Danny have any questions? Does Chris have any questions? Well, the, uh, my question here is, where do you so so being retired now uh, over fourteen months now? Yeah. So I'm kind of out of the picture a little bit, you know, I'm still involved peer support wise, but um, what do you see in the future for down the road? For the role? For yeah, for role. the role, for your role and yeah. maybe other departments. Yeah, it's, I'm definitely getting more and more embedded within the department, um, you know, building that rapport with the officers, going to roll call, and now actually going on calls with them is really, that's been huge because it's developing almost a partnership. You know, we're going into, if I'm with the same officer, going into a, a, a call, different you know whatever the home we're going to is still the same 
you know, we can kind of work the same way. Um, you know, I have a lot of ideas for the department. I drop them here or there. I'd like to just really like increase. I'd like to do more community speaking. I'd like to engage the community more um, and bring officers along with me. So we're more of a community approach to certain things. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's only going to grow. I, I, I really think it, it could go much further. And um, there's been talk about me doing some of the trainings that the officers go on. Obviously, there's some training that's not appropriate for a clinician, but there are, like even the FBI crisis negotiations now, they want clinicians in because they're starting to put clinicians into some of like the SWAT calls, um, which that's a new trend now. That's kind of starting too. That hasn't really, I don't think has happened much yet, but that's a thought. Um, whether you're just behind the scenes, just talking or just giving some consultation to the people on the scene. So I think it could really, um, it's going to explode and just keep going. It's almost much. almost another faction to crisis negotiations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think yeah. it's good. Yeah. It's good. Well, my final thought is uh, you're a welcome tool to what's yeah. going on right now and well, way overdue, yeah. and we welcome you, and hopefully uh, we'll see a lot more of it coming down the road in the future. Yeah. No, right. I definitely think you're going to see a lot more of it, especially in the next year or so. You're going to see more departments. Well, I mean, law enforcement is constantly evolving. It has yeah. to evolve. It has to evolve. Yeah, and this, is, this is definitely a step forward. Yeah. And, and as far yeah. as, like, people who are uneducated on the, the subject, yeah. Yeah. where they honestly think that, Clinicians are going to step in, and right, just right. police are always going to be yeah. removed, and that's yeah. just not, it's the, not case. the case. And, and it's, it's got to be a harmonious balance of what yeah. you do and yeah. how you assist police yeah. and how police assist yeah. communities. And well. there's never been a police department in any part of the country that has brought on a clinician that then regretted it. Like, mm -hmm. it, like you know, there might be some hesitancy at first to bring it on and, and start the program going. Oh, we don't really need it, but I've never heard of a program that's been stopped. You know, if anything, you know, I think it was the Framingham chief who says, I want a third clinician. Like, there's been there's been people saying, well, we need someone for every shift. We need someone, you know, the larger cities are looking at someone for each shift. Um, yeah, it's a unique environment. I think the clinician has to be experienced. I think the clinician has to fit with the culture. It's not for everyone. I mean, I knew somebody that she did a ride-along and then just said, this is not for me. And, and better to know that now than you're, like, three months, yeah. four months in. You know, it's not for everybody. There's definitely a certain culture you have to... Can't be easily offended, you know, and you just have to have a good sense of humor. And I think it, I think, I think it's if it's done right, I think it's 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 going to be very successful, and you'll have the right, you know, good successful outcomes. I think. Well, I, thanks for coming on, and thanks yeah, for welcome. helping hidden battles yeah. when you do, and yeah. thanks for doing what you do to help all the police officers that you work with. Yeah. And just any of our listeners out there, anyone who has any questions that uh, you want to bounce off, Karen, you can reach her at the info at hiddenbattlesfoundation.org. And uh, if you have any questions or uh, comments about this interview podcast, um, about what her role is at the police department and what she did at the hospital, uh, again, feel free to send off an email. We'll get it off to her, and uh, she'll reach out yeah. to you directly. Or if anyone's looking for a resource for any specific issue that you might be struggling with or have a family member struggling with, you know, sometimes it's just hard to find it on your own. You just, you know need someone else to help navigate that, you know, for you, someone that's in the, you know, the mental health world, like navigating through, because um, it is hard to navigate. It is hard to get services if you're doing it on your own and you're not familiar with it. It really can be daunting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It'll save you a couple steps. Yeah, absolutely. Google's not always the answer. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, Karen. You're I welcome. appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Danny. Thanks, Chris. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, Sean Dockery Union. Did you say thanks, Scott? Yeah. Oh, thanks. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, thanks, John Dot Credit Union. Thanks, DCU, and thanks, Rose Construction. Also, big shout-out to Swim at the Mission, Julie and Phil Todd. Thank you very much. Uh, they just jumped on board another year for us. And uh, just keep listening and check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Where else we? Instagram, Facebook. That's about it. Yeah, I think we dumped <laughs> a bunch. So, all right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you.